You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. It is Brett Ballantini here again once again. Once again, somehow hosting a minor league podcast. Go figure. It is <laughs> Southside Sox on the farm. Podcast number seven. Darren Black, it's already been seven podcasts. You've been part of six of those. Time's flying. Yeah, yeah. It basically kind of is. It's already June. The first half of the seasons, uh, besides AAA, are already almost over. It's uh, Everything's kind of winding down so far. And at this point, it's about, oh, it's, it's really neck and neck, number of weeks and number of Canapolis wins. So we have that sort of fun little <laughs> yeah. game, you know, take the over <laughs> or the cool. under. Uh, it's a hot betting line. Um, we are going to pay probably some brief, brief attention to the single A this week because we're going to focus a little bit more. So play a little bit off of the actual Southside Sox podcast proper that ran today where we're we're sort of looking around for solutions to some of the holes on the White Sox. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to provide us a lot of hope, Darren, but we will talk about Charlotte to some degree, Birmingham in greater detail. We'll call that the second half, but that'll be the bigger chunk of this podcast. Perhaps let's just dive into, well, hey, we were just name dropping Canapolis. Let's start out in Canapolis. Uh, Bailey Horn seems to be a guy. He's been mentioned in your write-ups, your weekly update, again, linked in, in this piece as well. Uh, a couple times he's come up. He's an older arm, uh, maybe a little bit more savvy pitcher. He seems to be figuring out Lowe pretty well. Is he a guy we're going to see getting promoted, uh, even if he does have some innings limitations? Yeah, so he's a, kind of a conundrum just because he's a 2020 draft pick, but he went to college and like, uh, not that uh, going to college is necessarily good or bad for baseball. Just it, on this Canapolis team, there's a lot of guys that were international signed prospects, 
more out of high school because they've been drafting more out of high school recently. Um, but yeah, he's done really well the past couple weeks. This last start was probably his best start. Um, no walks, just allowed one hit and nine strikeouts. So he's doing really well. Um, if there is a pitcher, a starting pitcher at least, to be called up, it's him because uh, the rest of the guys honestly are not doing that well or are hurt. Um, but Winston-Salem needs some pitching um, and Kannapolis uh, and Bailey Horn can provide them some help. You think uh, it could be prior to the potential of any reinforcements coming once the rookie league season starts after the draft? Or do you think they might pull the trigger a little sooner than that? Uh, I still, um, well, I guess I was surprised when they did those rash of promotions um, earlier this year, but that was also because some guys just weren't doing really well. Like, Arvin Mendoza, Luis Maesis, uh, Benjamin Bailey, they just weren't doing so well. So you had to bring up some guys to replace them. Um, but I'm still leaning towards all-star break whenever the first half of the season ends, um, when they get more of their uh, promotions going like a normal minor league season, even though this is not totally normal right. minor league season. Um, but that's kind of what I expect. And um, if there are promotions, I expect him to be one of them. Yeah. Uh, Co-MVPs, I guess you sort of wrote up this week, and Luis Maises is uh, the co-MVP for Kannapolis. He's a guy who was demoted, one, one of those guys you referred to like Harvin Mendoza. Mm-hmm. He's actually seemingly responded real well in Kannapolis. Uh, we have a couple cases of that. Ian Dawkins got demoted. He's done great after his demotion, but did very poorly. Uh, Joel Booker's a guy who hasn't really done well uh, in Charlotte or Birmingham, so, so it's not a guarantee that you go to that uh, next level down and then you start – uh, rocking it as if you got held back a grade. But Luis Maeses, I presume, is doing what the White Sox needed to see from him in the demotion and perhaps could find himself on a promotion list relatively soon as well. Yeah, I'm not sure um, a promotion, uh, but I mean, if 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 they are looking to promote any kind of outfielder, it would be him just because obviously he was there before. Uh, but it just seems like he was one of the guys that was aggressively promoted or placed in Winston-Salem. He just clearly wasn't ready. Um, he really hasn't had a great professional career. He's just been, he's just a toolsy guy. Like he's tall, big, fast, strong. Um, if he puts it all together, he could be really, really good, but he just hasn't yet. And um, I mean, he did really well last week and hopefully he can keep things going. Um, as I wrote up, his plate discipline still isn't where you really want it. Not really walking a ton and, uh, strikeouts are down, but they should be down when you get demoted. Um, he, he's still a prospect to keep an eye on, uh, but at, at the end of the day, he has to actually prove he can do it. He still hasn't. He had a good week. Um, hopefully he has a good rest of the year. Aside from Jose Rodriguez proving he can hit and hit really well, Canapolis yeah. hasn't done a lot of proving <laughs> of anything so far. You know, they sort of had a little bit of a, a sunshine uh, break through the clouds and fall on them uh, last week. And, you know, there's, there's still a, a struggling team. So let's get out of Kannapolis. We'll, we'll talk about them when they're maybe when they get their mojo going later on in the <laughs> year, or at least next week, uh, let's move to Winston-Salem uh, where again, this is a team that's pretty bizarre. They're pretty much a 500 team. I estimated looking at zero stats whatsoever that they're averaging, you know, like they're, they're they basically just score just enough to beat the other team. They really don't yeah. whomp the other team very well. It just seems like when they do, they sort of squeak by. They do just enough to win when they do win. 
Uh, one guy who's jumped all over the system. Uh, he's played in Charlotte, uh, maybe even a couple games with the White Sox. I don't know. Uh, it seems like he's jumped all over the place, but he's the MVP for Winston-Salem. Back probably where he, uh, I guess, more or less belongs because he really hasn't had, he was really a strung together, strong weeks uh, in his professional career yet. And that's yeah. Evan Skaug. I managed to mispronounce his name every time I've referred to him, even though we're very, very close friends, Darren, just like uh, just like you are with him. But that's because, you know, I was once a student in my master's program. I was once a, a, a fellow student of another writer who, uh, who Ed, Ed, but his, Ed. he pronounced it Skaug. Uh, so I just figured he, uh, uh, Evan, man, I'm getting confused. Man, what is it with the E? Can you only have an E name if your last name is Skaug or Skoog? Anyway, let's get past the name. Evan Skaug having a, uh, an exciting season for him because he's been all over the place. He's got his first uh, AAA hit um, and an assignment that probably he wasn't necessarily anticipating he'd have, uh, sort of uh, spot filling in with some injury, uh, back at high A and playing pretty well. Yeah, he is the quintessential three true outcomes guy. Walks a lot, strikes out a lot, um, is supposed to have good power, um, hasn't really shown it a ton. Um, but he, uh, in previous seasons, he has hit uh, a few home runs in his limited time. Uh, he, former overslot guy, he's kind of seems like he's an org catcher now. Um, that's kind of why he went up to AAA. Right. Uh, Nate Nolan used to be that guy, but he seems like he's uh, kind of the alternate site guy for Charlotte most of these days. Um, but he, his problems from college are still the same problems in the pros strikeouts there's a lot of them doesn't really get uh the bat on the ball that often um so he really has to rely on that power and he kind of needs to find it somewhere um but he is having his best off uh, offensive season of his professional career um that not necessarily means that he's doing so well but um he is actually improving uh so that's nice to see from a fellow wildcat yeah, honestly, no, no kidding. Uh, honestly, uh, he seems like a guy who might have been, I mean, not that you're going to give up on a guy very quickly, but he did seem to be on a track where he was almost maybe even playing his way out of the White Sox system because he really had uh, pretty well disappointed disappoint from the get-go. Yeah. So you're right in that he can even be putting himself, whether as a as a, as an org catcher or not, I mean, there is still value in that and it, get, it keeps you <laughs> on the screen. Uh, that's a pretty nice step forward in a pretty short period of time. I mean, this is after taking an entire year off and really hitting the ground running the way he has, uh, you know, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. And um, I can't remember which year it is. It was, but the Sox went through like four or five catchers and they had a guy that came up for a couple of days, got a hit. And I remember that. Um, so if he is in that spot right now where he's the sixth catcher in the org, then maybe. That's true. Know. That's true. He gets his first hit. He gets his first uh, RBI, and then he he has a couple tears uh, at first base. Uh, Gonzalez, uh, shoot, it I was know Gonzalez. who you're talking it about. And I saw on the scene, and then and, and yeah, that was, it was a pretty sweet moment. That hey. was a really fun. That was a really fun time. That was. Yeah. Because the White Sox were bad. But <laughs> Not a lot a of highlights. <laughs> that, that qualifies as like a top 10 in a season yeah. like that. That's for sure, Darren. All right. We're going to take a quick break, even though we're not really at the halfway point, because we're going to devote a lot more time to uh, the higher classes uh, to see if there might be any hope for the White Sox, as they do desperately need uh, guys to be able to come in and, and, and fill in on the major league roster. And I'm not sure we can exactly count on reinforcements coming via uh, via trade because we don't know if Rakan is going to be able to really pull trigger. So we're going to even be talking about a little Chicago White Sox here on the farm podcast, but uh, <laughs> stick with us. We'll have some fun talk here in the second half. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans, we're back. Darren Black's joined me again. Southside Sox on the farm podcast number seven. And we're not going to just stay on the farm. We're going to just move to Birmingham here as we start the second half. We're going to quickly get to Charlotte and, and also be talking uh, pretty much melding the Charlotte roster with the White Sox roster to see where there may be fits and, and how the White Sox, even on a temporary basis before the trade deadline, can maybe get a little bit of help uh, because they do desperately need some, probably in all facets of the game. Uh, it's an unlikely scenario that we see a guy from Birmingham making major league impact. There do seem to be a couple guys you could talk about at least getting into Charlotte and making an impact. And who knows from there? Uh, the first, let's just talk about it because he is the Jonathan Stever of this season. Uh, it is, I looked this up. I don't know if it's actually correct and legit. See, I'm learning how to pronounce everybody <laughs> now, especially after getting a uh, good old uh, Cheryl O'Keefe's name wrong. Like, oh, that's right. Crystal O'Keefe's yeah. uh, name in the podcast last night wrong. Uh, Darren, it is Jason Belaus. And uh, I also learned that that's a Ukrainian word, Belaus is, for white mustache. So I might just start calling him Jason White Mustache. So <laughs> Jason funny. White Mustache has been running through the system in a way that is somewhat similar to Jonathan Stever, although Jonathan Stever actually was doing poorly at Winston-Salem and then really well at Birmingham, or no, it was poorly at Kannapolis. Anyway, he started out sort of bad, got a promotion, yeah. and then went bananas and really got on the radar. I'm not sure that we can say that Jason White Mustache is exactly in the same situation because he's a guy that going into the season we didn't even know if he was a starter or a lever but he has definitely put himself on the radar and he's a guy you think could at least potentially make an impact at charlotte and it's certainly not necessarily major leagues but this is a guy who seems to just be putting good start after good start together this season yeah so uh darren black talking about jason white mustache uh he did really well in winston-salem uh then he out of any of the promotions that did happen early this year, he was probably the most deserving because he was just lights out with the dash. Um, came in to Birmingham at a, had a great start his first time. He ran into a couple of tough ones lately, but this past week, nine shutout innings, or well, I guess technically nine, or not nine shutout innings, five shutout innings, um, but they were actually five perfect innings. Yep. Um, so it's great to see him actually kind of pull it together in a new environment, much harder competition. Um, I don't, I wouldn't expect another promotion from him this season. And I still do think he'll eventually end up in the bullpen. Uh, but if you can force the issue and stay as starter as long as you can, um, that's what you need to do. Uh, especially if you want to see yourself in the majors, getting more of the big bucks, that's what you need to do. And he's keeping the White Sox right where uh, they need him in a really good rotation that Birmingham has. He's just added to that kind of pedigree they have. 
Uh, knowing, Darren, that uh, the rules as we know them are, are a little bit twisted these days in terms of how we might traditionally see how the minor leagues relate to the majors. And, and one of those is the fact that just the season's shorter this year. I don't know if that exactly means that you can start playing it like it's out of the park baseball and I'm like promoting guys left and right Well, whenever I do it. Obviously, that's not a realistic way to approach things. But is there anybody in that rotation? You referred to a pretty vaunted rotation, Kate McClure, Connor Pilkington, guys who are lights out, even uh, Blake Battenfield, who, who does seem to be more like the orgarm category, but he's had a pretty strong season as well. A couple bad starts, otherwise really good. Anybody, do you think... Um, not just in line for promotion. There's any chance any of those starters uh, can make an impact with the White Sox later on this year. With the White Sox, um, any of the starting pitchers, I don't think we're going to see any of them there. Um, I think Charlotte has the top two, or well, I guess uh, the IL and Michael Kopech has the sixth guy. And then Charlotte has seven, eight with Steve Burr and uh, Lambert. Um, so I think unless... Connor Pilkington's probably doing the best out of any of those guys that are kind of actual prospects. Like Battenfield's doing really well, um, but I don't expect him to leapfrog any of the guys I just mentioned. Right. Um, and Pilkington's doing well. Added bonus that he's a lefty, uh, but he, you kind of, it seems like they always slow play the starting pitchers whenever they can. Um, and I don't, I just don't really see it. Uh, unless something disastrous happens. Um, these guys are more trade chips. Birmingham, full of trade chips. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the bullpen, uh, I think we've, we've both agreed that Bennett Souza is probably the, the prime name there. Is that a guy you could see in any way uh, leaping up and making a, a, a later season impact with the White Sox? Yeah, uh, Souza and Perez, uh, Andrew Perez, just because they're both lefties and uh, they, I mean, they don't really have a ton of lefties that they want to look out for. Um, so if there's anyone, if there's any player coming up from Birmingham to the White Sox this year, it's probably Souza or um, Andrew Perez. Um, I guess if you count O'Friday Gomez as a Birmingham starter because he started there, uh, he could be thrown into the mix. But he's in Charlotte now, um, making those big bucks. So. <laughs> and we and we, we've also talked. We talked with some in some detail on the Southside Sox podcast about. Uh, our good friend, Mike Rodolfo, uh, possibly making that sort of jump. Uh, it does seem more reasonable that he's in Birmingham for a reason. He's stuck in Birmingham, not just for depth reasons, but for showcasing reasons. Uh, if another six or seven outfielders in the White Sox uh, fall apart, which seems to be the trend, if we were just to project injuries, that's another three, four guys going down. Uh, is there any scenario you see Adolfo being a guy who would leapfrog anyone in Charlotte to get a little taste in Chicago? Uh oh, Darren Black has. Fro- this makes for this makes for entertaining viewing. You're going to switch over to the YouTube viewing right now because Darren is just absolutely frozen. So I'm going to just talk to myself for a moment until he snaps back for us. Uh, Mike Rodolfo is the topic, and he is uh, pretty much killing Birmingham. He's doing what people have hoped he'd be doing for years: uh, staying healthy, playing right field. Uh, Darren's out left the chat, so maybe he's going to come back and we're actually going to have a remaining podcast, or who knows? Maybe we're just going to wind it down now. We're going to do part two tomorrow and just talk about Charlotte. Who's to say? But obviously, Micah has done everything they've asked him to do. And, you know, he's a guy that's 
managed to put together the power numbers that you need to see from them. And Darren is back with us now and uh, he's going to rejoin the micro dog. I've already, yeah. I've already promoted micro to the White Sox. So I know you might be too late to, <laughs> to toss cold water on the micro Dolphin promotion, but is there any scenario where you think that he could possibly leapfrog what is in Charlotte to get a shot, maybe even later in the season with the White Sox? I. Uh, the the way he's hitting right now, I could see it actually happening because they, out of anything the White Sox need, uh, they pretty clearly don't care about the defense in the outfield. <laughs> so they just kind of need a bat. Um, and, like, they can't just keep throwing out. I know he's injured right now, but Billy Hamilton, Leary Garcia in center and right. Or, I mean, Adam Engel had a pretty good couple of weeks, but generally he's not a good hitter. And Adam Eaton has just been bad all year. So they just need to find a bat. And Mike Rodolfo has actually played outfield his entire career. He's always had a good arm. Um, I don't see him necessarily leapfrogging uh, Gavin Sheets. Um, I think he's the most likely call-up since he already did get – I don't even want to call it a promotion because he just hung out on the bench for a couple days. (laughs) Um, He cashed in for a couple days. Yeah. (laughs) It was very weird, very weird. (laughs) But um, I – I still think he'll mostly be used as a trade chip uh, just because I don't really see him being on the team next year when the whole outfield's actually healthy. Um, and he is a former top prospect. He has a really big bat. He walks a decent amount. He's actually, the batting average isn't too high, but it's pretty decent for him. I think it's up about like 35, 40 points compared to 2019. Um, so he's having a great season, which is awesome. Uh, but I'm still thinking trade piece, uh, and then maybe like a five, 10% chance that he's with the White Sox after July 31st. Okay. We're going to completely bypass Charlotte and talk, uh, White Sox in just a second, but I just want to point out that, uh, Southside Sox minor league analysts and Chicago White Sox analysts for Southside Sox, Darren Black makes it very clear the White Sox clearly this year do not care at all about their outfield defense. Uh, important <laughs> point to make. I can say it and people are going to say, man, that guy's a crackpot. When Darren says it, I mean, listen, the facts are out there. We can see it pretty much every game, but uh, it's sort of stark for a team that, uh, boy, aspires to a pennant uh, uh, through, in some cases, not their own fault with the loose Robert injury, but boy, yeah. uh, outfield defense, not exactly the highest priority. Now, you mentioned this in the Southside Sox podcast, yesterday and i'm gonna now mine a little deeper because when you were talking about adolfo you're like well they're outfield for 2022 the theoretical 2022 uh season is set and i know two of those positions because i assume eloy or andrew vaughn or somebody else who doesn't really know how to play left field is going to be in left field (laughs) and luis roberts going to be in center field but if it's set i'm curious do you know something i don't about who's going to be in right field uh, well, honestly, I'm expecting it to be uh, Vaughn and Eloy, whichever one left, right, and then just Robert in center. Um, Robert's going to have a lot of the ground to cover, um, but <laughs> but they they just have a lot of DHs, and yeah. some of them do need to play. And it, you know, obviously, Jake Berger is doing pretty well right now this season, uh, hitting wise, not so much defense wise. Um, they could probably look at him there. 
Um, there's just a lot of options for GH and not really a lot of options ever, everywhere else. Yeah, I just I was intrigued when I heard that yesterday and you sort of referred to it now. And I said, OK, now I'm, I, this might be really obvious and I might just be missing. Or is he thinking, you know, it's like Adam Engel's right field because that doesn't seem to be a Darren Black play. So now I get it. OK, they really, 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 really don't care about outfield defense. So you're going to put Andrew Vaughn in right field and Eloy Jimenez in left field. And really you are literally going to tell Luis Robert you are covering pole to pole. Which yep, is pretty until awesome. seventh, eighth, ninth inning when uh, Adam Engel comes in for the defense for replacement. Mm-hmm. It's basically how I see that going. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they actually do make a make a move for a legit outfielder and then move Eloy to DH, which is my preference. Um, but uh, they didn't do it when he clearly is not an outfielder before he got hurt. Um, so I don't really think they're going to continue to try to find another option. Well, I think it's interesting as we continue to just talk about the White Sox and forget about Charlotte completely, but I think it's interesting that everybody says, well, you know, when Eloy comes back, assuming, you know, he's going to be okay to come back, um, yeah. you know, uh, that he'll be, he'll be DH. Now, granted, I think it's plausible that it's explained to him, hey, dude, you're coming back from injury, just DH what is left in the season. But he's a guy who still wanted to play the field. I'd still, I mean, He's 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 obviously a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, but he also pretty obviously takes pride in his defense and wants to be a defender. So this idea that's just like, well, of course he's going to want to do that, and he's going to do he's going to do well there, and you're going to get X production, you're going to get one sixth of the season production because he's going to have a healthy September. Uh, that's a that's a presumption that I'm not sure I'm even ready to make because we don't know how much he's going to enjoy being in that position, even in a situation where he knows he's come back from injury and it's, you know, okay, Aloy, just let's take the off season. Let's give you a shot in left field next year again, wink, wink. Uh, this <laughs> idea that you're going to plug him into DH and he's going to be great. I'm not even sure if we can make that assumption. No, I, I really don't. And like, it really just comes back to the fact that we all knew heading into the season that he should be in the outfield and he was in the outfield. So they don't – he's obviously comfortable being out there and then going to go hit. Um, I know some people have said that just being a sole DH is tough for some people, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not going to argue with the actual, like, Major League Baseball players that say that's actually a tough thing to do. Um, it might be easy for me to say, like, oh, just go up there and hit. Right. Uh, but you're in a routine and everything that goes with that. So just try to keep him as comfortable as possible. Um, in a perfect world, he's DH, um, but I, I would like to actually see him play, be that primary position instead of where he mostly plays left field and then DH is when he actually needs an off day, um, but still hits. All right, let's, okay, let's leave the South Side, although we are going to basically talk Charlotte. Charlotte with a connection to Chicago because truly there do not seem to be many love connections there. We can talk about maybe the three most obvious names, Gavin Sheets, uh, for maybe an outfield uh, sub or maybe a lefty DH bat sub up. Uh, Jake Berger, who would just be the, he would be the new Yermin Mercedes, I guess, if he gets the call up. Uh, Tim yeah. Beckham, who had the week of his life. And I think it's 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 <laughs> yeah. scary that, you know, he, he might parlay that into perhaps getting a call up and then he becomes the Tim Beckham, you know, we've known for, for, for his entire career, which is just a guy who's a guy, you know, a little below yeah. average. Uh, those seem to be the three realistic and maybe the three only possibilities in terms of bats to be called up. Um, I'm assuming you're handicapping Sheets as having the advantage, both being left-handed and actually being able to play a little bit of outfield. But how do you break down those three in terms of their likelihood to come up 
presuming there's not like another injury that just forces it. Yeah, sure. So I kind of, I kind of break them up into like several categories, but the main ones are if they're on the 40 man roster, yeah. they're probably going to be up uh, eventually. Um, and then if they're not like the Tim Beckham's Marco Hernandez is like the guy that has been around in major league baseball or like the Brian Goodwins of the world yeah. um, that just needed to come up because a guy went on the 60 day DL that's in another category. Um, I think if your mean Mercedes is uh, demoted to Charlotte to figure out whatever he needs to figure out. Yeah. I believe it's going to be Gavin sheets uh, just because they really been, we all know that white Sox are really good against left-handed hit, uh, pitchers. And uh, like your mean Mercedes is also pretty good against lefties as well. Uh, but he's uh, what sheets is sheets is a lefty. You can also play outfield. Um, he would probably come up to be the DH more often than that. Uh, but he's definitely the guy that I could see them moving up if your mean is sent down. He's showing a bit more power. Uh, he's putting the ball in the air a bit more often. Um, and he's doing all of this without playing last year and learning a new position, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the fly, because I believe his father was actually an outfielder. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of have that as that, like, just, hey, dad, how do I do this? Right. Instead of just, hey, coach, <laughs> yeah. like, which is pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's anybody that's coming up, it's him because he can actually do it with the bat and he has a little bit more versatility. Uh, Luis Gonzalez, I think, is just always going to be the guy that they call up when it, there's a 10-day IL stint for any outfielder because he can play left, center, and right. Um, Rutherford can play the corners, but he doesn't really have a strong arm, and uh, he can't really play the center field. Um, it's not that he's slow. He's just not like Luis Gonzalez fast. Definitely not Luis Robert fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rutherford... Maybe if we were talking in April, I would say like maybe I would put Rutherford ahead of Gonzalez, but he really has not been hitting the ball well recently. Uh, that kind of power surge, that gap power surge that he had, and I might have said April, I meant May. I forgot they pushed back right. the season. Um, he that's kind of been gone since June started, um, so he hasn't really shown anything recently. Um, but the most consistent guy has been Gavin Sheets, so I'm still gonna hang on and hope that he finally gets that at bat. Um, and next time when he's actually promoted. Well, when you think about it, Darren, he's had like a whole 15 games to play in the outfield and he's played it well, um, or he certainly played it competently. I haven't watched his, uh, his, his chances, yeah. but he, I think he's still been errorless for what that's worth. Uh, and, and, you know, Andrew Vaughn played um, two games in spring training and has managed to acquit himself. I mean, I guess better than Eloy is not exactly the best bar, but yeah, let's call him, (laughs) let's be generous and say average. It seems to me like it's not implausible that that Gavin Sheets could, could pull that off as well, which that additional versatility, not to get down on Jake Berger in any way, but Jake, you're really not going to want to have in the field. And he really still is only, only a a right-handed uh, masher and you know the white sikes do that's one thing they do have a little bit of uh and so certainly would point i guess to gavin sheets being the guy who might uh get the opportunity there's uh, a, a looming really a looming 40-man crunch uh i'm i'm curious to know i mean jace fry should by probably all accounts maybe already be up with the big club and is not that's because he's on the 60 uh 60 day il so they are going to have to open up a spot on the roster just to get him up and i'm sure that is a factor in why he's not up yet uh do you see a likely i mean i guess jumping back to the south side do you see a likely candidate 
to be designated for assignment uh, if and when that, mm-hmm. that, that move is forced? Yeah, so they would probably send down Birdie and then um, take Alex McRae off the 40-man list. Oh, okay. um, that's probably the big one yeah. uh, or really the only guy you could see definitely being sent down. Yeah. Um, which is why I'm really hesitant to say guys like Tim Beckham are going to be called up when they get called up yeah. um, without a big 60-day IL injury. Mm-hmm. Because after that, um, I'm guessing most people would think, oh, just send down uh, or just take Reynaldo Lopez off the 40-man. Um, but he still has some like versatility if you really need to yeah. send out a spot starter. Um, and then the the other guy is Sebi Zavala. But if you really think about it, he's actually the third catcher in the organization yes, because Jermaine yes. Mercedes is not a catcher. So you need the third guy. He really is the um, second then, defensive catcher. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. And then the other two or the other three are the the outfielders we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also Jake Berger, who I we I know for sure is not yeah, going to be taken of off the 40 man. Right. Um, but uh, like Sheets, Gonzalez, Rutherford. Um, they might even be trade pieces too, if they just yeah. kind of want to try to get something out of that, just to free up a space as well. Um, but Alex McRae and then after yeah. that is kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I forgot about McRae. That does sort of give them that, that freebie uh, because I, you know, I guess what we're saying here is, is the 40 man is pretty much 39 solid deep and you really, it's going to start to get uncomfortable if you have to make a move from there. Yeah. So the fry yeah. or maybe a bat coming up type of situation could easily be mitigated with uh, removing McRae and designating yeah. him. Uh, so, and it's okay. a good problem to have because I like in April, I would have said, well, just send down Jake Lamb. And now it's like, well, you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to do that. So it's a decent problem to have. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you know, uh, these uh, weird um, uh, uh, bargain bin moves have, have paid, paid off pretty well. I mean, for a team doing as well as they have with the injuries they have, they've almost had to all have paid off well through the first, 45 percent of the season to be two and a half games up they needed all those guys to do a bit better than what they were uh, programmed for now arm wise we already sort of referred to the fact that the the, technically i guess the six and seven stars or seventh and eighth stars in the organization are jonathan stever and jimmy lambert however you want to uh flip them and shuffle them neither of them seem like they're guys you're going to plug in if there really was an injury uh, I think then maybe that forces um, a, a, a Kopech situation to to start if he's healthy. But even then, with the innings limit, I'm not sure what you can do with that. So the, the White Sox are in a pickle if there is a significant injury or setback in the rotation. Uh, but that said, is there really any help arm-wise beyond Jace Fry, who are going to just consider a White Sox player, um, beyond Jace Fry uh, at the Charlotte level, uh, relief or, or starting? Yeah, so it's definitely Jimmy Lambert and Jonathan Stever to start with. Um, just the only caveat, caveat is is you definitely don't want them starting in a playoff series. Um, so you can read that one way or another. You just don't really want them starting in a playoff series if they have to. Um, and relievers, uh, Tyler Johnson was just activated. Or, well, he was just returned from a rehab assignment and going back to Charlotte. Um, he uh, pitched a couple games last week, allowed uh, two runs. Uh, so he's kind of still scuffling along. Um, but after that, it's really kind of uh, like you're looking to see, oh, Cody Medeiros actually has a decent ERA. Like well, Friday Gomez actually Gomez. is continuing to do really well. Um, but then you go back into that 40-man uh, roster crunch, and then 
Yeah. Well, who you sending down? Like if you uh, take, I know Cody Hoyer is probably is doing pretty bad six ERA, but you're not taking yeah. him off the 40 man roster. Someone would scoop him up yep. pretty quickly. Yep. Um, if, if it, there is a guy, it might be Evan Marshall, but um, he has not been doing as bad recently. Mm. So maybe not him. Um, it's, Honestly, probably Ryan Burr, Jose Ruiz, those guys, but those guys also haven't proved that they should be sent down. So again, another decent problem to have. It's just the guys like Foster and Hoyer um, and Marshall that were supposed to be good from the start of the season just haven't been good, um, at least in Marshall's case until recently. In Hoyer's and Foster's case, they really just haven't uh, found what they had last year at all. Um, but the top of the list is still Tyler Johnson because he actually is on the 40 man roster. Um, and I guess Zach Birdie kind of counts as a Charlotte, uh, quadruple A guy. Um, but I would prefer Tyler Johnson over Zach Birdie at this point. His, uh, his fastball is not what it was after his Tommy John surgeries. Yeah. The, uh, the circumstances with the White Sox system, uh, you have admitted that you're underwhelmed by it. I think that's fairly obvious, and that isn't just from standings results and games. It's really comes down to performance where there really have been few breakouts, and even some of those breakouts have come with, uh, with the caveats of, you know, Jose Rodriguez is hitting the heck out of the ball, but he's also playing low A, and he can't field. Uh, you know, even Gavin Sheets, you know, you're still, you're really not sure, you know, where he, where he fits. Some of these best case scenarios, there really is no best case scenario. You got uh, uh, Jason White Mustache, who uh, is a guy who, you know, is, is moving, you know, sort of quickly, but from where he started, he's not going to make an impact this year or maybe even next. Uh, so the White Sox, yeah, they're not, they do not have a number of guys, you know, nipping at the major leagues, uh, which, you know, not a lot of organizations have, but there are some who do. And it would be nice one day if the White Sox had that type of problem where they could either <laughs> ship prospects off for a veteran guy or who knows, yeah. you know, they ship a veteran guy off to move a prospect up. You know, it'd be nice to <laughs> Tampa just, <laughs> just decided, yeah. oh, yeah. Wander Franco. Yeah. Go up. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be not? awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're it's... definitely not the Rays. They're definitely <laughs> no. not the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, they're definitely not the Yankees. They're definitely not in Cleveland when they yeah. call up pitchers all the Yeah, Padres have traded uh, down, but... 68 players in the yeah, offseason, Padres... and they still got a strong system. Yeah, you know. yeah and the White Sox kind of helped with that, but we won't bring up players. <laughs> <who's not laughs> we the names. That. It was just uh, one but... guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> we knew we had to get to the gallows humor sooner or later. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it, but to go back to that, it's not even that it's a total bad thing that they do have a uh, poor farm system because uh, all the prospects that were supposed to be mm-hmm. good are actually good. Like yeah. they actually did well yeah. in all their trades. Yeah. Maybe Reynaldo Lopez isn't so great, but Lucas Giolito is a Cyan mm-hmm. candidate. And uh, Chris Sale won a, won a ring, so maybe you can say, like, oh, Red Sox won that deal. Um, but Yohan Mankata is probably mm-hmm. an MVP candidate, yeah, we'll see. and yeah. he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, all the guys that were supposed to be good are up. Um, now that just leaves the guys that weren't so good and got mm-hmm. passed over, or now they, they just have really young prospects like Jared Kelly and Matt Thompson. Yulaki uh, Cespedes, who they just got, um, who was just activated as well. Um, and uh, Jose Rodriguez, like we've always, like we always talk about, right. um, they're just not really close. So they, they just have to keep the window open. They really knew, do need to uh, kind of 
either move these prospects up quickly, more quickly, or trade them because they they have to do something this year to kind of uh, work with their limited depth because we've seen yeah. all the prospects come up that need to, yeah. and Who when can? the ones that, yeah, and like and then you see Jonathan and Jimmy Lambert come up and they're clearly not as good. Um, so you just kind of got to work with what you got and then trade with what you've got to find what you need. Yeah. All credit due to the White Sox. They, 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 they made some bold moves. Uh, a lot of those guys we would be talking about maybe as triple A studs are in the majors and they are finding some success. So credit there. Problem is when one of those guys gets tripped up, when one of those guys gets hurt, then you do have to turn to your system. And largely this year, the White Sox have not been able to turn to any system for any kind of reinforcements, yeah. or we wouldn't have had this podcast tonight, Darren. We've been talking something else. We've been really digging deep into Kannapolis's, uh three wins or however many they have this year. We have to talk yeah, about the fact seven that there's and six last two weeks. Oh, sweet canny. And you still haven't even bought your cannonballers hat. You buy that hat. They are going to take off. So get that hat, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're still intimidators until they start winning. I see. Until they intimidate their way to 20 wins. You're not going to switch yeah. over. That's fair. I'll accept that style change for the minor league <laughs> updates. That's for sure. Yeah. The White Sox, they just, uh, you know, that that's the problem. And, and we're not going to pick on them too much because obviously, you know, the Andrew Vaughns have come up and done uh, uh, by and large very well, especially given the, the challenge of having to play the outfield. They've, they've rolled the mm-hmm. dice and hit pretty well now and, and certainly credit due. Problem is when that next injury happens, where do they go? I mean, let's face it. Those injuries have already happened. This team is a weaker than it needs yeah. to be yeah. 26 man <laughs> roster. And there isn't anything to really bring up uh, of substance to say, okay, we're hardly, you're never going to not miss a beat, but hardly miss a beat. Uh, something that's yeah. fairly equal. And right. Yeah. I mean, you mean Mercedes doesn't really count because he was your surprise DH to begin with. Uh, we really got, you we were playing with the house money mm-hmm. for those, you know, six weeks or so uh, to begin with. You can't even say like, Oh, well, you know, that's a big path because now he's back to about what we probably would have expected your mean Mercedes to be. So if Jake Berger comes up and mashes or comes up and does just about maybe as poorly, uh, as your mean is doing now, well, it's like, okay, well, that's, a, that's a wash, but that's not the kind of wash we need. If we're, if we're, you know, we're not the pirates, you know, we're not the Royals. This is the White Sox <laughs> yeah. trying to aspire, uh, to a pennant in a, in a world series. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what you do about that. Cause you can't, you know, it's not going to be fixed in the, uh, 2021 draft. So, uh, you know, solely, uh, there is no. an upper level, uh, weakness that I'm not really sure how you are going to be able to patch, at this point, I think we do have to wait a couple of years before we can even hope to have that patch. And meanwhile, just hope that there are no injuries ever, 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 ever again, because uh, yeah, it's, pretty, be it's pretty thin. You know, it is pretty thin. And, and we're seeing that. And credit to the White Sox for being in first place, being ahead of a Cleveland team that's not a patsy. So, I mean, you know, that's not nothing. But, uh, you know, in a week uh, central, um, you know credit there. Uh, this is not necessarily where we thought they were going to be. So, uh, you know, great for them. But now, from here to the trade deadline, we probably do need to see something else happen. And uh, I think a number of us are a little skeptical about whether it will. I think it needs to. And you got to start putting together some of these chips and somehow persuading the team that this combination of these chips that might not even seem so overwhelming can equal at least at least a runner player to, uh, you know, to fortify at least uh, this year's stretch run. Yeah. And, and even with that, even if you just find an average bat, like that's actually better than what they're <laughs> getting yep. and center right now and second. So yeah. it's not like they don't need to go out and get Trevor Story, who I don't even think they have the pieces to get unless right. they want to trade Kopech. But they, they can find some guys to just 
get them over to help when Robert and uh, Jimenez come back. Um, maybe they maybe they do have the pieces to get like an Ian Kennedy, um, D- uh, Daniel Hudson, like guys like that, like relievers on uh, one-year deals, expiring deals, older relievers. Um, you can kind of see what you can do there. Um, but they really, like just an average player is an improvement. So yeah. that's really all they need to do. Um, and because they're in first place with these guys who are like mm-hmm. Larry Garcia and Billy Hamilton, who they've had great moments, but like Billy Hamilton has like a 50 WRC plus he's by and large, not very good. Yeah. He's just had two three pretty good games where he's won them the game. Yeah. And a great attitude, great in the clubhouse. So it makes you seem like he's more, and you know, we, we can argue that that still is, that's a great value that you don't see on the field, but you're right. Uh, yeah. It's a great point in that we, you don't have to hit home run. You don't have to bring in uh, any, you know, the Adam Frazier's, you don't have to necessarily bring in these big hitters, whether or not the White Sox can get them or even compromise some of that future to get a guy like that in. Because at this point uh-huh. they're making it work with guys who are at best average and probably subpar. So you're right. You get an average guy, even a, even a platoon guy, even, even the Schwarbers of the world yeah. or, or the Dickerson's of the world. Um, th- that seems very, very minor, but that can just be enough. At yeah. this point, we're into That's the season now. This is an April 1st. We're into the season now where you just get, you know, you get that nice streak. You get a guy who comes through for, uh, for a succession of even just a few weeks. That's a win of a trade, especially for what you're probably going to give up to get some of these guys we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, again, I am not thinking they're going to get some uh, blue chip player. Um, They don't have blue chip prospects, but uh, like, again, they have all of the really good players are on the major league teams right now. So they've really done great player development where they needed to. They just probably, like, when they started making these moves in 2016, 2017, they probably really didn't think they would be relying on Adam Engel and your mean Mercedes to get them Mm -hmm. wins. Um, But they did. And uh, Engel's defense at least is still doing really well. And he'll probably have a place in this ball club for a long time. Kind of like Leary Garcia uh, has just been here for forever. Um, But they, they don't need to add too much. And I know Jerry probably doesn't want to add too much (laughs) salary. So you also have to keep that in mind. It's good that Uh, they don't do that much. (laughs) But it's, yeah. And like, again, I come back to Mike Rodolfo. I don't think he's going to be on the team in 2021. So you or 2022. So there's just a lot of guys that maybe you thought they were really cool prospects a couple of years ago, but now's the time to trade them because mm-hmm. now is the time that you need to win because they didn't do it last season. And then they fired the manager after they uh, got out to a one, nothing lead in the wild card ish round, whatever you want to call it. Um, and now they need to actually win their division because if they get back to the wild card, then, Right. You're treading water. And it's kind of a crapshoot. Right. And the window is, uh, you know, it's not, it, it's never open forever. So uh, yeah, the, the step does yeah. need to uh, go forward. Especially they, with the amount of injuries that they've had throughout this rebuild process, the window is never guaranteed. Yeah. You can say, boy, bad luck, bad luck. Well, you know, every team has them and yeah. okay. So if it's, it's bad luck, whatever it is, it is. And you, if your contention is open, and you've gone all in with moves like the Lance Lynn trade. Well, you've got to keep pushing the chips in because you're already there. You can't pull yeah. back now. Oh, yeah, let's play that next year. Come on, please. So that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, push it in, uh, th- throw out that extra. If there million. is a next year. Well, I guess. See, it's a whole nother podcast, Darren Black. That's a whole nother yeah. podcast. Maybe yeah. we'll get to it next week. We'll just totally yeah, ignore you, the minor you leagues. you got to keep that in the back of your mind if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, we will most likely be talking in a week's time for uh, podcast number eight. Darren, I don't know what the topic is going to be. We may just go back through the affiliates. Who's to say? Some of that novelty is worn off. So we're going to try to probably focus on something different. It might be okay. trade chips or guys getting called up or maybe who knows? Hey, how, Gavin Sheets just had a great first five days with the White Sox. Let's talk about that. Who knows what it'll be, but it'll be something. And so I hope you will be available to join me again in a different hat, maybe even in a different location, uh, perhaps with an even stronger connection uh, than this week. <laughs> Yeah. And we will uh, we will probably touch base uh, again in a week's time, eh? Yeah. After Canapolis's, uh six-game winning streak, I will be here. Oh, sweet. That's perfect. Yes, you're the guy I'm going to call. <laughs> hey, thanks, everybody, for watching, listening, reading. As always, great stuff coming on Southside Sox all week long. Let's get the White Sox back in the winning column. And uh, I'll be back with Darren, I'm sure, in a week's time. Thanks, everybody.